0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. It's a massive week in sports. Houston and Philadelphia are at it in the World Series. Tennessee plays Georgia in the College Football Game of the Year. NFL games basketball hockey all of it is going on and bet online has you covered with all the props odds promos and parlays for this week use the link in this episode to get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code believe b-l-e-a-v, B-L-E-A-V. bet online where the game starts of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. It is November 3rd according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening Razor Rosenthal is joining us here on the show today. Razor is a gambling expert over at Beer Life Sports, and we are going to talk heavy, heavy college football here today on the show. Call it a college football preview. Call it whatever you may. Uh, We're going to talk about that. We're also going to get into the World Series, which I feel like I've underreported and undercovered over the past, uh, shall we say, six days, considering how deeply invested in the early rounds of the playoffs I was between the San Diego Padres and their playoff run and marveling at the Astros and everything that's happened with the New York Yankees and all that stuff blah 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 we're going to talk about baseball as well in a way that I feel like we haven't so far. I'm going to start off today by talking about Tennessee and Georgia because Tennessee and Georgia is the biggest game in college football since the last biggest game in college football, and I guess that's probably last year's quarterfinal game between Ohio State and Michigan. I guess is the next closest thing that we've seen to what Tennessee and Georgia is going to be this weekend, but maybe it's the biggest college football game since Alabama-Tennessee. Who knows? I'm interested in this game for a bunch of different reasons, and I guess we could call it a Tennessee-Georgia preview, if you shall say, but I'm going to more tackle this from a, a macro level perspective because when we talk about this with Razor, it's going to be more of a uh, game script situation, a gambling situation, talking about Georgia's scoring defense and Tennessee's offense and all that, uh, talking about Lad McConkie, which again sounds like what happened, what old timey people call getting hit in the junk. Like if you're watching a broadcast and the guy takes a, a foul ball off the junk, like a catcher. Uh, a baseball hits off the ground and hits a catcher in the junk, and they say, "Ooh, they hit him right in the Lad McConkeys." It's just another term for trying to say the the package you got hit in the Lad McConkeys. But, anyways, we talk about all that stuff coming up later. So, from a macro level perspective, I'm super interested in Tennessee and Georgia because. Are they the two best teams in the SEC? I have no idea. It just feels like there's three really good SEC teams this year and only six halfway decent teams in college football this year. And so I'm interested in this because, I mean, obviously it's not hard to get interested in a one versus three game, but from a macro level college football perspective... Georgia is one of these programs that has been building to this point for years, and what is this point? This point is being like 2012 Alabama. What Alabama's done over 14 years, um, which is, I guess, technically when Nick Saban took that job, but more specifically, we could talk about six championships in 12 years, they've played in nine championship games. Over the 12 years they lost twice to Clemson, they lost once to Georgia obviously last year. So you're talking about playing in the National Championship game 9 times in 12 years, winning 6 championships. The sustained level of success that Alabama has experienced isn't something it is incredibly atypical to the history of college football. And by the way, Tennessee has been in this group before. Remember Tennessee? uh, Well, some of you would remember that Tennessee, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, was a team that was consistently in the top 10, playing in SEC championship games, and then the one time they got Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport, they happened to mess around and win a national championship. Slide over 15 years and they fall back to the pack as Florida falls back to the pack as USC falls back to the pack Texas the 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 dynastic programs you think of of the 90s and 2000s kind of fall back to the pack a bit Oklahoma stays pretty consistent but enter Alabama Ohio State and then Georgia has been this transition period between Clemson and them at the top because remember like four five six years ago where everyone was bemoaning that it's always Alabama, Clemson and Ohio State in the championship round, the structure of college football dictates it to be such a way in which that in the 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 competition for the 30 to 35 really really great players in every draft class and every recruiting class, they're going to either disperse across the various programs or they're going to accumulate at the top of say Alabama, which has five-star recruits coming in every year, Georgia, or Clemson in this example because Clemson happened to, shall we say, quote-unquote, get lucky and happened to have not just one of the greatest high school quarterbacks of all time be born in the region that they were playing in, but also that the University of Georgia did not want them twice. It happened twice that 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 shit happened, is that Two of the greatest college, well, really three of the greatest college recruits of all time happened to be born in Georgia, uh, all within like 50 miles of each other. If you point to Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Deshaun Watson, all happened to be born within like 50 miles of each other. And because the University of Georgia, one, wasn't big onto recruiting quarterbacks, but B, chose Justin Fields. Over Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, those two end up filtering their way to Clemson. Deshaun Watson promised playing time. If you know that story with Dabo Swinney, like basically had to make a bunch of promises to Watson, who was a four-star recruit at the time, not a five-star, but he was going to be the building block of the program. And they went on and won a national championship in his last year. They built on that and became the dynastic program for a new recruiting class. They rode that championship to saying, hey, look, we can beat Alabama. We've made the championship two years in a row. You should come to our program. Six years, Clemson builds up a number one dynastic team. And then Georgia slides in in place of them, and they do on defense, with the infinite resources of college football, many of the same things that Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State are doing, where Georgia is a national recruiting base they will go to California, they will go to Texas, they will get the five-star players at the top levels, and they will get six or seven of them in each recruiting class and bring them all together. And what I find interesting is that Georgia is the stable foundation. As much as we can point to Georgia losing games to Alabama, whether it be that year they made the national championship game or always being the fifth seed out of the SEC because Alabama and then insert maybe an LSU one year did anyone else? I don't think anyone else has made it from the SEC other than Bama and LSU in Georgia. I'm trying to think. I don't believe any other schools have made the playoff from the SEC other than those three. But, but there were two years in a row where Georgia was the fifth place team in the country, where they uh, went to the Sugar Bowl with Texas, where they didn't give a shit. And then they played, I, I believe it was Baylor one year in the Sugar Bowl, where they didn't really give a shit. But basically, Georgia has been a Tier 1 program for about five years now. And because of that, they find themselves in the territory of Alabama. Like, they happen to put it all together and win a championship last year. But that part is besides the point. It's more the process itself that has bared results for Georgia. Because remember, they made the national championship game in 2017. 2018, they were the five and just barely missed the playoff. Then in 2019, they were the five, just barely missed the playoff because they lost in the SEC championship game to Bama. 2020, that year was the pandemic year. Who did they lose to that year? They lost to someone that was kind of embarrassing that year, but Texas A&M ended up finishing ahead of them. But um, Georgia that year ended up missing the playoff. That was kind of their their quote unquote. Oh, they lost to Florida. That's right. I forgot about that game. That weird... Uh, What was it? Um, Dan Mullen made it to the Sugar Bowl. That was a really weird year. But basically, yeah, they lost to Bama and they lost to Florida. But I think they still finished the year ranked in the top seven. And then obviously last year they win the championship. So we're now in year six of the Georgia machine being either a tier one or a tier two program. I mean, now it's indisputable that they're a tier one program. But it was also indisputable that there were times when Nick Saban and Bama were a tier two program that happened to one year win a national championship that first time against Texas while being a tier two program. And then there were disputes in the BCS era, et cetera, et cetera. But it's been six years of this foundation for Georgia now. And Georgia is now in that same class as we think of Alabama and we think of uh, Ohio State, obviously Alabama's a little bit in, on the fringes this year after losing to Tennessee, although I still say coming out of that game. I have no evidence that says Alabama is for sure a worse team than Tennessee. They might be equivalent to each other. They're two of the three best teams in the SEC. Georgia is still firmly the best team in the SEC, and this is year six of this foundation for Georgia. And I know college football's weird, and I know talking about six years of building to one game is not the smartest way to go about this. As we talk about the macro-level conversation of Georgia, because remember, Georgia now has gone national championship loss in 2017, won the national championship in 2021, and are quite possibly the favorites to repeat in 2022. So what we're talking about is within a six-year span, Georgia having, or so far we'll call it a five-year span, two appearances in the national championship game one national championship, and finishing ranked in the top seven every single year. And they had the weird year in between where, again, they lost to Florida during the pandemic year, and the year before that, they got the five seed because they lost to Bama in the SEC championship game instead of getting the four seed, who I believe that year would have been... I think that was an Oklahoma year. Yeah, 2019 was an Oklahoma year. So instead, Oklahoma, who lost 49-0 to LSU... (laughs) That year, Georgia ended up losing to LSU in the SEC Championship game, and that was the thing that kept them out of the playoff. Georgia's been consistently a Tier 1 or a Tier 2 program for six consecutive seasons now, and the fact that they've gone back and forth between the two suggests that Georgia is that stable program that we've been looking at for years and years. Which brings us to Tennessee, which is, Tennessee is the fun, sexy, upstart team that's trying their best to get to the playoff. And by the way, Tennessee probably will get to the playoff. Now, might they be in the same class of team as, say, those Oklahoma teams with Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts? Possibly. Could they pose problems in a playoff matchup against Ohio State? Possibly. But Tennessee is, is not there because it's impossible for Tennessee, given the state of where the program was two years ago, it's impossible for, to know right now that Tennessee is going to be a program that gets back to that level of stability. And so the best thing I can say for Tennessee right now is that they are a tier two program. Tier 2 programs usually don't win national championships. They usually get the right to get blown out by tier 1 programs because Tennessee doesn't have a ton of recruits. Tennessee doesn't have like 6 five stars up and down that roster. Tennessee feels like a team that is closer to what Michigan has and they play totally different styles. Totally recognize I'm not saying they're the same. I'm saying they're in this group of team that is as the numbers suggest an eight-point underdog against Georgia. They are a team, like the numbers suggest, who is a touchdown underdog at home against Alabama, who beat Alabama in a game where I walked away feeling like and still feel like no idea whether Alabama or Tennessee is a better team. That's the kind of team Tennessee is in that second tier of teams right now. And they happen to be ranked number one, which adds to the drama of this situation because... People will see the number one ranking and project that out. Well, that's based on the resume. And really, I'm thinking back to when we did this show. I want to say it was during the pandemic year of 2020. We were doing a, a couple of Tuesday radio shows mixed in there. And when we were doing Tuesday radio shows, we were getting the rankings live. And now that I've gotten older and now that I've been through this five, six, seven, eight times with caring about the college football playoff and the rankings so dramatically and loving the debates around that, I kind of realize now that my eyes are telling me who the best teams are without having to rely on rankings and resume. And I've been through the system enough now where I recognize the patterns that it feels easy to recognize Tennessee might be number one, but that's not really the number one team in the country. Georgia's number three in the country, but that's not really the number three team in the country. That's probably the number one team in the country. And the evidence bears that out to the point where you're going to hear me say like TCU is the equivalent of last year's Cincinnati, where it's like you can go undefeated, but only if teams better than you fuck up will you have a chance to make the playoff. Like, I look at that situation, I'm like, I've seen the patterns now. I've seen a team like TCU, who gets to the first ranking and is ranked 8th or ninth while being undefeated. If they finish undefeated, they might make the playoff. More likely, they'll be the fifth team waiting on the outside. I've seen this situation where Ohio State and Michigan are both ranked in the top five. They play each other the last week of the season. It's basically a quarterfinal game. That's literally what happened last year. It happened uh, back in the Ezekiel Elliott game a few years ago when... They went to overtime and there was controversy with the chains and and Ohio State ended up winning on a last second touchdown by Zeke. So like I've seen this happen enough times now where I recognize we've seen teams like Tennessee before. We've seen teams like Michigan be in this position before. We've seen teams like TCU and we've seen teams like Oregon at the top of the rankings At the beginning of November. And we've seen all of it bear out in a similar pattern more often than not. Which is Georgia, who we know is a great team with five stars up and down the roster. They are going to be in the playoff more likely than not. If they lose to Tennessee, the path becomes a little more convoluted. But they're still probably there. We see Alabama with a loss and know that they still are going to be favored in every single game they play the rest of the season. And we know that Ohio State and Michigan both can't make it. And we know that Clemson will get in as long as they don't lose. But if they lose one game, it's over. And I kind of recognize that there's only six teams that are great this year in college football. Sorry, TCU, you're not in that group. I recognize that there are six great teams at this point just because I've seen it enough. And, I've, and maybe t- Tennessee will be different. Maybe Tennessee will be like 2015 Clemson, where this is a building block to something greater. I've seen it enough times before where I recognize that Tennessee is a tier two team. Georgia is a tier one team. And those teams rarely ever play in the regular season because usually we're talking about the tier one teams, the three teams that everyone complains about always being at the top. They're usually in different conferences And if they are rarely in the same conference, which would only be recently with Alabama and Georgia, they won't play until the SEC championship game or they won't play until the national championship game. Rare is the situation where you have two of the six great teams in the country, both in the same division, meeting up in the regular season. It's happened three times now with Ohio State and Michigan, but we always have to wait for the last week of the season for Ohio State and Michigan. Rare is the situation where you have a new team in the same division as one of these tier one programs. In this case, Tennessee coming in to try and take Georgia's shit. Rare is there a situation where there's actually a competitive matchup there and we get to enjoy it in the regular season. Ohio State and Michigan has been a thing a few times, but three times in six years is rare for a regular season matchup like that to come true. Clemson and Notre Dame had that back in 2020 when Cleb. Clemson was ranked number two, and Notre Dame was ranked seven, I believe, that year. And I think both of them ended up making the playoff, and Notre Dame got boat raced by Alabama and the boring Steve Sarkeesian offense. So, like, that year we got Clemson-Notre Dame in 2020. Last year it was Ohio State-Michigan. This year it's going to be Ohio State-Michigan again, although I think Ohio State's going to be much larger favorites than they were last year. Other than that, you have to go back to the last Ohio State-Michigan, Or you go back to 2019 LSU-Bama. That's one of the rare situations where it happened, where Bama was the Tier 1 program that got boat raced by LSU. And Tua got hurt, so it changed the math on that because they couldn't really survive that injury, and LSU ended up winning the SEC West. But it's basically like once a year that we get a game like that, where they're the same powerhouse teams in the same division. And this year, we kind of got it with Alabama-Tennessee, this year, we're going to get it again with Tennessee, Georgia, and then we're going to get it again the last week of the season with Ohio State and Michigan. These games that either act as like quarterfinal matchups or a win and in situation for the team who is at the top. So, Georgia and Tennessee, winner, Clear as day path to the college football playoff. Clear as day path. They're going to be undefeated in the regular season. They will be the number one team at the end of the rankings. Even if they lose the SEC Championship game to Bama, they will still make the playoff. Winner of this game clinches a playoff spot as long as they don't do some fucked up stupid shit. If you're a team in Ohio State and Michigan, that's an elimination quarterfinal game. So rare do we get a situation where the top six teams meet in the regular season in college football? It happens like once a year where it's either win and you clinch a spot in the playoff, or you have to or you, you win and you clinch a spot, or lose and you're de facto eliminated from the playoff. Like a, a quarterfinal matchup like Ohio State Michigan or a quarterfinal matchup like LSU and Bama or a quarterfinal matchup like Clemson or I'm sorry Clemson and Notre Dame falls under the category a couple years ago of Notre Dame beat Clemson in double overtime with DJ Oyungale during a pandemic they were almost guaranteed a playoff spot they were win and in situation even though they lost to Clemson in the ACC championship game. And this year, Tennessee and Georgia is one of those situations where loser still has a path to the playoff, winner has a guaranteed spot, and they will ride their their way into it. And I would lean Georgia pretty heavily because Georgia is the stable foundation of six years of being a tier one or a tier two program. This is Tennessee's first year of entering that group of the six or seven elite college football teams. And it'll be really interesting to watch what happens when they play each other. On Saturday. Hey, Georgia, are you looking forward to the national championship game? Of course you are. But you know what else you could be looking for? A new, used, lightly used upgrade or downgrade on your car. If you're looking for the best options out there on the market, then you need to come on down to the one and only Stenson Bennett Kia Chevy Subaru Honda Volkswagen of Georgia. That's right, not only is Stenson Bennett the quarterback of the national championship contending Georgia Bulldogs, but he's also here to give you the best deals. You see, Stenson has no real future prospects in the NFL, and as a walk-on football player at the University of Georgia, Stenson is here to sell you all of the wonderful new used trade-ins, slightly upgrade or slightly downgraded cars at your disposal. Get a fantastic 2022 off your latest purchase or trade-in if you get in before the national championship game. And if Georgia wins the national championship game, which they will not, you will get a whopping 22% off championship bonus on a brand new Kia, Chevy, Subaru, Honda, or Volkswagen. So come on in today to the one and only stenson bennett kia chevy subaru honda volkswagen today
1: hello hey kyle can you hear me well yes i can hear you all right. all right how are you doing racer? doing well beautiful day here in north carolina can't complain all good not too cold yet not too cold no i i think it's about 65 today it's perfect Ooh, wonderful. Sounds
0: like it's a a wonderful time out there on the East Coast. Razor Rosenthal always joins us. You can follow him on Twitter and follow Beer Life Sports, where he is a contributor and content creator and gambling expert. We're going to talk about all of the stuff that's coming up this weekend in football, I would presume. First, I got to ask you about the World Series, because baseball has been wild and wacky over the last few weeks. So what have you made so far of everything going on between Houston and Philadelphia?
1: Pretty tough, Kyle. That's what I make out of it. I mean, who would have predicted a touchdown win for Philadelphia? How about if you had the, uh, the over last night at seven and a half, looking pretty good, right? Nope. You don't catch the ticket. Really difficult, uh, to figure out this Philadelphia team. I mean, they, they, when they are on fire, pretty much impossible to beat right now because they are hitting uh, one through nine and, and, uh, and that's not really the case at times. I'm really disappointed what I'm seeing out of uh, Jose Altuve, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez on the other side of the coin for Houston. Uh, Lance McCullers comes out and, you know, had a great outing in the Pacific Northwest against the Mariners and just really has, you know, not looked great so far. Uh, obviously didn't really get a chance to, to see him in, in too much action, uh, you know, uh, since that Mariners game. So uh, last night, you know, it, it, was a, it was a weird night. I didn't play the game at all. I was uh I was too occupied to play the game I, I split the the first two games by taking the uh, the Phillies uh, game one on the money line then taking the Phillies on the run line the second game so really kind of an even money situation for me this is a really tough series and I'm approaching this tonight as man you know maybe a dive in live play kind of see what's going on let's let's see how how Javier, uh, you know, sticks out out there. I mean, he's had a great playoff run over the last few years, so – Kind of trust Houston in this spot, but still a little bit scared to bet on them. Uh, you know they they are not hitting like we are accustomed to seeing them hit in the postseason in this series. So um, really don't have a ton to make out of this game. Uh, excuse me, out of this series because uh, Philadelphia uh, is one of those teams where they win eighty seven games. You would think that it would be a four or five game series. Uh, not not the case. This is going obviously uh, maybe six, maybe seven, but. Uh, kinda, kinda leaning on the Phillies right now. I'm not gonna play this game on the preflop tonight.
0: You're interested in watching how this plays out, even as you know, Austin Nola takes the mound for Philadelphia, which other than that one not so great start, he's been almost lights out as that second ace for Philadelphia in the playoffs tonight. But obviously, Christian Javier also threw a shutout in the ALCS. So uh, is that making you lean towards a pitcher's duel tonight? Is it a situation where you're just going to kind of wait and see? And is it a situation where baseball's random and dumb stuff happens all the time?
1: I'm going to wait and see. You know, I think a lot of indicators would say take the under here with Javier and Nola. But, you know, this World Series has been uh, so murky to just figure out and handicap all three games. I mean, last night I, I go to my my website where I'm, you know, placing my wagers. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to hit the, you know, the Houston Astros or Philly. I'm just like, you know what? Let's just stay off of it. Let, let's just move on to Game Four because I really <laughs> didn't feel comfortable with McCullers uh, out there whatsoever, you know. And I had a, I had a, but I did, at the end of the day, I was just like I never want to bet against the Astros in the playoffs. That's been my definitely my kryptonite is how much I loved Houston against uh, Atlanta. That didn't work out very well in 2021. So uh, just a unique situation with this World Series that sometimes the best bet is no bet. Uh, save your money, save your units for other, you know, other events that are coming up, whether it's college football, NBA, NFL, however you like to bet tennis in my case. So, uh, tonight I'll be home, Kyle, I'll be in front of the TV, which means I'll have the chance to kind of read the room and, and, and live bet. Some people will say if they listen to this, oh, this guy is just taking the easy way out. No, I think it's just the, the sharp way to do it. If you don't have a good feel for what's going to transpire and you have the ability to live bet, why not?
0: Did you end up catching any of that game one? Because I um, I was scoreboard watching that game on Friday night and I left, I believe it was either 4-0 or 5-0 Houston when I stopped checking the scoreboard and I came back the next morning. I was like, what in the heck happened to Houston <laughs> where they're giving up five run leads in a game one and they hadn't lost a game in the entire playoffs so far? I feel like you know in a series where now one game has been a Houston blowout another game is a Philly blowout it feels like that game one's going to carry a lot of weight as we come down the home stretch in this series
1: Well, that's what scares me about this whole series is that you know when does Houston blow a 5-0 lead against anybody even if it gets to 5-3 you know they're going to pour on a few more runs after that and you know so th- that that kind of scared me right there i just i just was like you know what going into last night just don't know what to expect. And Phillies, the putting up a touchdown was something – I guess you could expect it at this point with the Phillies, the way they can they can, uh, they can score runs in bunches. Cassianos and Bryce Harper just, you know, deserves everything he's getting right now, which is a lot of credibility as uh, one of the best players in this decade. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think the play right now, if, if, if I was going to make a series bet wager – I'm not sure what the market is right now, Kyle. You you probably can pull that up on your sponsor's website. Um, I think Philly's probably the play. I really think Philly's going to get one more game uh, in Pennsylvania here over the next two days, and then all they got to do is just win one out of two uh, in Houston, which I think they're very capable of doing. I think the Phillies are – I would imagine they're minus 180, perhaps a little bit shorter than that, maybe a little bit longer than that, but I think anything under $2 for the series to win, you know, you're, you're up a break, you're up two one. I think this Phillies team is capable of winning this game uh, tonight. They're capable of winning game five. I mean, they're, they're, they're I think they're going to win the series. So anything short of $2, I would take the Phillies at this point. Phillies,
0: I am seeing, according to our friends at Bet Online, is minus 150 to win the series.
1: Okay. That's way short. Yeah, way short of uh, minus 200. So, yeah, you take the Phillies at minus 150 now, and then you're in a situation where if Houston is emerging and they're up three games to two, then you kind of middle the bet and take Houston at minus 280, whatever it may be, if Houston somehow. Gets to a three-two lead. I think this. I mean, this game is massive, right? I mean, you know, Philly goes up three-one. You gotta, you gotta think that they're gonna win this series. So you're sitting on a dollar fifty ticket now. You can really hedge with some plus money on Houston, maybe uh, the next game or Game Six. So I think it's it's time to buy into the Phillies market at minus one fifty. Like I just mentioned, I've mentioned it four or five times. Anything south of two two dollars, I think I'm in. So I'll be making that bet. And then maybe a little bit of hedge on Houston. If they uh, lose this game tonight, you're going to get some serious plus money on Houston uh, if it goes to 3-1 Philly.
0: And and I know people will already know the result of Game 4 by the time you're hearing this. But at the same time, going into Game 4... The, the uh, money line is Philly minus 110, Houston minus 110. So they are they are playing even, even money on both sides for this game, even though Houston is, I believe, like a run and a half favorite on the run line. So I, yeah, but I, I think Houston's going to be a favorite in most of these games.
1: So here's one thing, Kyle, that I like to do uh, when it's minus 110 on both sides. I'll pay the tax at, you know, what is it, minus 185 for Philly, plus one and a half. You know, if it's minus 110, we see a lot of one run games, right? So you're going to protect your bet by hoping that Philadelphia wins the game outright, or maybe they just lose by a run. Uh, My number probably would be uh, Philly minus 185 at plus one and a half. Is that about right? You're,
0: you know, this is actually pretty funny. You said it was one eighty-five. It's actually one fifty-eight. Oh <laughs> so wow! Flip
1: the numbers around. So that's actually a great price tag on Philly. Plus, plus. Excuse me. Philly's minus one and a, uh, Excuse me. Philly uh, plus, plus one and a half. Yeah. Philly's yeah, plus plus one and a half, half. Yeah. At yeah plus minus one fifty-eight. Yeah, I like that value. So here's what I, here's what I would recommend doing. In, in, the, in the case that obviously this, this is going to be taped and you're not going to hear this, but maybe game five, game six could mirror uh, similar odds. Maybe play the Houston money line small and Philadelphia plus one and a half. I do this in the NFL with money lines and then take the dog ATS. Don't mind doing this tonight because you're not paying any tax really on Houston minus 110. And I think you're getting a really good value on the tax of Philadelphia. At minus one fifty eight, maybe 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 sprinkle in two of those bets and just hope that Houston wins by one. If Philly wins by one, okay, you lose the Houston money line, but you cash the plus one and a half. Uh, so that that's probably a good play for me tonight if I really want to do something pre flop. Still leaning towards live, but something to look at game five, six, or seven if uh, you get a pitcher's duel that's even money at minus one ten. All
0: right, let's talk about Tennessee and Georgia. It's the college football game of the year. Georgia right now sitting at an eight point favorite and there's so many interesting levels to this so I will ask you what are you thinking about Tennessee Georgia this week
1: well, I think it just comes down to, I just had Wes Reynolds of the Visa Network on my podcast literally moments ago. I just got off about 30 minutes ago. And it's I agree with his statement. Who would you rather be on, the guy that's been there or the guy that's you know coming to be there? And George has been there for a while, and Tennessee just hasn't had a true road test. The LSU game at 11 a.m. Central Time three or four weeks ago. I mentioned this uh, on my podcast, probably yours as well. LSU's a country club crowd until 3.30 Eastern. Once you get to 3.30 Eastern or later, like you're going to see this Saturday night against Alabama, it's going to get rowdy out there. But Tennessee just, you know, they really haven't been tested on the road. 3.30 Athens, Georgia, the team that's been there. I like Georgia here. I really do. I think that Tennessee is going to be a public darling all Saturday. I think the books are going to get crushed by Tennessee plus money. Everybody, you know, thought that Alabama was able was going to be able to pull it off. They didn't. The books went 50-50 on that. I think the I would imagine the betting split market's probably going to be close to three quarters at the end of the day. I don't know what it's like now, but I can assure you by Saturday morning, probably going to be about a 70-30 split for for Tennessee. I like Georgia here. I like them on the money line. It probably will parlay them maybe with Alabama. I think Georgia gets it done. I think if Hooker gets shaked up early, realizes that, wow, we're actually playing a really good team on the road, haven't seen this environment, public dog, everyone on the balls. Give me the Bulldogs. Probably try to buy it down to seven if you don't want to pay the big price tag on the money line to parlay, which I totally get. But if you buy this down to seven, probably pay minus 140 to do that, be in good shape. Georgia wins this game probably by about a margin of 10 to 12 points and breaks the heart of a lot of volunteer betters.
0: Yeah. And I think the money right now is hanging somewhere in the 70% range for Tennessee. Obviously it's still a little early in the week to know exactly what that's going to look like. But yeah, I, I think a lot of public money is on Tennessee, which leans in the other direction. But the other thing I was interested in is a lot of public money is on the under for this game and it's an under of 66. So they're suggesting that not only might Georgia win big, but Georgia might score a lot of points on offense as well, which is an interesting prognostication from, from Vegas at this point based on what the gambling trends look like.
1: More times than not, these big games go under the total. We didn't see that happen with Alabama, Tennessee. That that number soared over, whichever the number was. I can't remember from two, three weeks ago. but Whatever it was, well, it
0: was over because that was 101 yeah. points on both
1: sides. <laughs> yeah, it soared way over that number. Uh, typically, Vegas isn't going to hand out free money. They want you to bet the over. Um, But these games really go under a lot of the times, And it seems like a lot of people are taking the under. Maybe they're figuring out that same approach. Really difficult to handicap. Tennessee's defense was so bad early on this season. So bad last year. They've kind of figured it out. They played incredible. One game that no one's talking about as far as their defensive effort was against LSU. The Kentucky game, pretty good as well. But, man, did they stifle LSU, which is not a great offense, and I think way overrated at number 10 in the nation, but um, I, I think this game could stay under, but again, you go back to Alabama, Tennessee, and in all these different crazy SEC scoring situations, I'm staying off of that number. I, I think this game could go way under the total, but Gosh, if this game gets close at the end and they're trading touchdowns in the early fourth quarter it's 24-24, watch out for an additional 21 points to break your heart. I, I'll stay off the number and stick with uh, my Georgia money line play and probably marry them with a team like um, you know, perhaps uh, Buffalo. You know, you can pair up a an NFL team and a college team together in a money line parlay just just looking at stuff like that. I again, I, I'm I'm leaning towards Georgia to take care of business on Saturday. Yeah, you got to lean with your Buffalo Bills who are, I think, like
0: 13-point favorites against the Jets this weekend. So, so playing that on the money line is a nice little boost to your your Georgia bet. And I think Georgia and Tennessee are both kind of susceptible to the the thing that happens in college football where you can only play the competition that you play. Like, I know Kentucky was a ranked team last week. They've just had a catastrophic number of injuries this season. And that that whole thing that had so much promise has fallen apart. Georgia hasn't played anyone since Oregon and even that game, I it's hard to do prognostication on college football from week one because so much changes. I think that's what makes it kind of difficult for me to analyze this game because I'm like, I know Georgia has a great defense. I know Tennessee has a great offense. I know Stetson Bennett is quarterbacking Georgia, I know Tennessee's defense has been up and down. So it's just it's hard to prognosticate where it's gonna go. And I guess I'm just leaning on People like the Vegas betting lines and the trends to to kind of figure out what this game is going to look like, because, you know, apart from the Alabama game, which even I walked out of that thinking Alabama was still as good, if not a better team than Tennessee. it, It feels like there hasn't been a lot of evidence to kind of figure out how these teams are going to match up against each other.
1: Yeah, I think I think these totals are flip of a coin, and I I don't ever bet totals to be honest with you, Kyle. I just unless I get a, a good read or or a tip that there's going to be massive wins and you're not going to be able to move the ball and the and the, and the betting public or the or the books just haven't caught caught wind of that. No pun intended. And the, and the and the total remains in the same spot. Sometimes I'll go ahead and throw some money on an underplay, but I, I would be really cautious to dive into the under market uh in this georgia tennessee game as i would be cautious to take the over with a lot of nerves i mean how many times have we seen these college games of the year and it's and and it's zero zero at the end of the first quarter you're like (laughs) what the hell just happened and then of course you get the 35 points in in the second quarter and it just ruins your underplay so again it's just I I like to play the money lines. We all know that I've been with you now for over two years and we talk about money line parlays, do it in quantity, excuse me, do it in quality, not quantity. And uh, Georgia to me is a quality money line parlay play.
0: You know, something I didn't realize until I was doing research for this, uh, for this show is that. Georgia I mean Tennessee obviously they they're scoring like 50 points a game on average this year and they're the best offense in college football Georgia has the fifth ranked scoring offense in college football which you know by a team led by Stetson Bennett and Ladd McConkey and their their combination of running backs who are you know replacing the production of James Cook I was kind of surprised that they've been a top five scoring offense so far in college football this year because we think of Georgia and that vaunted defense and it's it's only the best defense in college football this year instead of the greatest defense ever, like last year. But I didn't realize Georgia was such a prolific scoring offense this
1: year. And Georgia has weapons, and there's no George Pickens there. There's no Cooks there. But they still have a lot of guys that got some run last year. And listen, you know, the, a lot of teams uh, haven't scored too many points on uh, Georgia. We saw what Florida did last year, which was – excuse me, last week. It's a little surprising there that Florida closed the gap, but we saw – When Georgia wakes up, what they can do to teams like Florida, Florida, Tennessee, that was a battle. Florida had a chance to win that game. Uh, If you look at the common opponents between Georgia and Tennessee, there's not many, I think, at this juncture. But if you look at the Florida game, uh, Tennessee, they got a big scare down there in Neyland Stadium. Not so much the case when Georgia played Florida last week in the cocktail party in Jacksonville. So, again, I think is the better overall team. I'd like to see the depth between the two teams. Like, how many times – how many players actually sub for Tennessee? Do they have enough depth to go four quarters with a with a top five team? They obviously did against Alabama. Again, a lot of luck there. Poor coaching by Nick Saban at the end. Of course, that was a home game in Knoxville. Not going to be the case in Athens this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, Nolan Smith's being out for Georgia. He's going to be a first round pick
0: and his season is over for them. So, you know, that doesn't help. But Georgia's one of these teams now where they can just kind of like slide in sophomores who are four and a half star recruits as backups. They've reached that, uh, that Alabama territory where they've created a factory of four and five star guys. So, I think they'll be okay there, but I think that depth part is something that matters for sure, especially against Tennessee's offense, which is, you know, Tennessee's offense.
1: Yep. I agree with you there.
0: Yeah. That one will be interesting. Um, You mentioned Alabama and and making that play. It seems like a little bit straightforward, um, but I am interested in LSU because by all accounts, this has been a surprising overachievement season for LSU because, I think they were predicted at the start of the season to be sixth in the SEC West. And the fact that they're ranked top 10 right now, I know that doesn't mean anything when you're going up against Bama and you're about to fall in the rankings after losing, but this has been a bit of an overachieving season for LSU. And from what I've heard, it seems like they're going to kind of have a lot of roster turnover this off season. So, I mean, you're, you're watching more college football, I think than I have. What have you made of LSU so far this year?
1: LSU has overachieved. Um, Their defense is better than what I expected it to be. Um, The win against Ole Miss was nice, but I don't think Ole Miss is as good as we wanted them to be at number seven in the country. Uh, I I think LSU is just undermanned, and I think they will very much struggle against Alabama. Hungry Alabama team. We saw what Alabama did to Mississippi State. They weren't too happy there. I think the Florida Gators are – Really bad, and I think uh, LSU found a way to win in the Swamp, which is not easy. I'll give them a lot of credit. They beat a very bad Auburn team. They beat a decent Mississippi State team. So, And then, of course, only a one-point loss to FSU. So it's been a really good season for Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. And finally, they get a night spot, 6 p.m. Central time against Alabama coming in, at their biggest rival, Uh, Alabama laying 13, so you're not going to get any money line value there. Uh, you know, it's a no play for me because the line is so high and I always worry about the backdoor covers, but where are the points going to come for LSU? This is the thing about LSU is I don't trust their offense and I trust Tennessee's offense against Alabama, right? I mean, Tennessee can score in bunches and that's how you beat Alabama. You have to match points with a pretty damn good offense of of, of what Alabama has to offer. I don't know. I, I think the only thing that scares me is the audience in the crowd. I mean, that, that's it. That, that's what scares me as a guy that wants to lay 13 points. Remember, these are still young kids playing the game of football. They're ages 18 to 22 for the most part. Not easy to go into Baton Rouge. This crowd's going to be absolutely electric for this game. And if for some reason there's some mishaps by Alabama and you're down 10-0 early, you're in major trouble to cover a number of 13 to 14 points. So I, I don't have a problem betting LSU in this spot as a huge home underdog. But I also think there's a probability that Alabama can really go up early and, and you can go home. The lights are off. You may as well go to the bars in Baton Rouge, maybe drive two hours to New Orleans to enjoy yourself, get ready for Monday night football against the Ravens because it could be lights out early in Baton Rouge. Uh, I think it's a dive-in live play for me, Kyle. You could see Alabama going up early. They go up 7 nothing. Then they get a big stop. Then you may want to say, okay, I'll jump in live and take the the new line of Alabama minus 18 and a half and just say, hey, we're going to win this game by 20 plus points. Uh, not, not a huge fan of this game pre flop, but I'll definitely be watching and looking to bet it live.
0: Vegas is saying that uh, Notre Dame may win a close defensive struggle against Clemson this week. Currently, it's early in the week, of course, so maybe this will change, but currently, 80% of money line money is on Clemson. At, mu- at minus at 175, and against the spread, 70% of money is on Clemson at minus 3.5, and, and for the over-under, 44.5, and, and a lot of the bets are on the over, which means Vegas is betting on under for that. So is there a situation where Notre Dame beats Clemson and effectively eliminates their their playoff chances?
1: I hope so. Because I think Clemson is a Fugazi team. Um, I don't think they're very good. I think their best game of the year, of course, came against my NC State Wolfpack. Other than that, I think Clemson has shown signs of being very average. We saw what Syracuse did to them. Syracuse, who is very average, should have beat Clemson in Death Valley. So let's use that common opponent right there, right? Syracuse comes to Death Valley, had every chance to win that game, should have won that game. Notre Dame goes up to the Carrier Dome and really annihilates and dominates Syracuse. Clemson money line is not a play for me, Kyle. I can tell you that right now. I don't like this play at minus 180. Maybe $1.30 I would take a, take a chance on uh, Clemson here. Uh, yeah, the easy way out. It's a live bet. You know, I think if, uh, especially on Notre Dame, if Notre Dame can go up early, uh, you're going to get some good money line value on them because they are the dog, right? They're plus 140 on the money line, likely, plus three and a half against the spread. They go up early, and then Vegas is going to give you a money line of maybe even money. <laughs> Man, Clemson's offense to me is just so hard to figure out. Some games, uh, they could they could really play lights out with Shipley. And then some games, man, lay an egg. Second and third quarter against Syracuse was pretty embarrassing. Kind of like the Irish year. Um, but if you're going to play this game big, I think you're foolish because it's really hard to figure out which Irish team is going to show up. This Notre Dame team isn't that good either, though, Kyle. But I'm going to go with common opponents, NC State and Syracuse. Uh, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Syracuse is the common opponent between Notre Dame and Clemson here. I uh, I lean Notre Dame, but man, Kyle, let's not let's not forget Notre Dame barely beat Cal. Notre Dame lost to Marshall. Uh, this is a bad. This is not a great Notre Dame team, but this is not a great Clemson team either. So let's let's just uh, let's just stay away from this game. There's plenty of other action to look at on Saturday. A lot of tennis action, of course, I like to say. That doesn't matter to anyone who wants to bet Clemson and uh, Notre Dame. But uh, just again, I mean, most most of us have the ability to go live, right? So let's go live and, and see what what happens. Maybe, maybe Clemson takes an early lead and Notre Dame just doesn't have any answers. Then maybe take a, a stab at Clemson minus 280 on a live line, perhaps. But yeah, I just don't like this game either.
0: Yeah, I I totally get that from the the Clemson Notre Dame standpoint, by the way, just to follow up on something you said, if you really wanted to search your websites for the best value, you could get Notre Dame as high as plus 165 at this point. So perhaps that's a play for some people if you're really digging deep into the leads. But yeah, this is a weird spot for Clemson to be in because we're used to Clemson being either national champion good like the alabamas and the ohio states as they were for six years and won two championships and played in four championship games or we're used to clemson being like last year we've never seen clemson be in this tier two where they have a few a handful of four and five star guys They're better than all the other ACC teams, but they're basically this year's version of Cincinnati or Oklahoma, where they're just the fourth team playing for the right to get absolutely smacked in the playoff. I don't think we've ever seen Clemson in that space, and the only way they're going to get it with undefeated TCU, Oregon, potentially three SEC teams having a chance to make the playoff, I think the only way they're going to get there is going undefeated, and so... As you stay away from the gambling side of this game, this game is one of those handful that that may actually have major playoff implications because Clemson may win the ACC, but if they win the ACC with one loss, I don't think they uh, get into the playoff necessarily.
1: Now Clemson has two two roadblocks, and it. it starts at South Bend on Saturday night, and then it probably ends up at Charlotte, especially if UNC can sneak in there. I think UNC is going to be a tough out for Clemson because UNC is going to score in bunches and that that's going to be a true neutral site game in Charlotte. I think the best thing for the ACC is to have Clemson play UNC in Charlotte, but not major road tests, right? Or if they can win this game on Saturday night and then beat Carolina in the ACC championship at yeah, Clemson is going to sneak in. They're not going to turn down an undefeated uh, power five conference team uh, to to get into the playoffs, but this oh, is a they might turn game.
0: down TCU. I don't know if TCU well, counts as a power conference anymore, but if TCU goes undefeated and wins the conference, they might turn down TCU.
1: I feel pretty confident that the Horned Frogs will somehow stumble. I, I do. I'm with and you I don't, too. I'm with you. Yeah. Too. Some some somehow they they lose between now and uh, leading up to the middle of December, early December, when the uh, when the Big 12 Conference Championship takes place. Not sure who they have left on their schedule, TCU, but. I also think I do think they're a very solid team but TCU's that's asking a lot. Well, that's asking yeah, I, a lot I, for some I know they have to go undefeated.
0: I know they play yeah. at Texas next week. That's probably the hardest game I would guess on their schedule. Uh, they play, yeah, we they play can, at Baylor, I
1: guess. That'll be one of those yeah, I feel like TCU at Baylor, you're going to make Baylor minus two and a half. You're going to make Texas minus three and a half. So right there, they're probably they're probably dogs in both of those games. I know it may sound crazy. How's Baylor favored? Well, Baylor's a tough team. You saw what they did in Lubbock. Baylor has had some really bad slip ups, the terrible slip up against West Virginia uh, a couple uh, Thursday night footballs ago. But uh, I just don't see it happening. I-, I think Clemson's road to the final four much more clear than the boys from Fort Worth. Yeah, I, I think that's very much true, and
0: I just I think that the Big Twelve has reached this place where they're now kind of like the AAC. And so you could go undefeated, and if there's too many good teams at the top, because we know we're putting two SEC teams in, then it becomes difficult to find a path for TCU without a. Per se, Clemson loss or another Alabama loss, but even that only gets them to number five. So then they would need one more result to break their way to uh, to sneak their way to the playoff. It's a it's an interesting situation, and Clemson and Notre Dame this week will probably be revealing of what the landscape is going to be because it's Clemson loses, it's almost an elimination game given the the thin ice they're walking on after double overtime against. Wake after not really <laughs> surviving, I guess is the best word. They survived against Syracuse. Like you said, they, they kind of beat up good on NC State. But the, I think the toughest part of Clemson's schedule is going to be the North Carolina game, and that'll be interesting to watch. Anything else on college football that you uh, are looking at this weekend?
1: Well, not particularly this weekend, but I, I think Alabama reaches the playoffs somehow as a four seed. I think they run the table pretty easily. I think you see the Michigan-Ohio State loser obviously eliminated, but more so, is Michigan going to stumble before that, the big game in Thanksgiving weekend? I think they could, but probably not. I, I think so. If Michigan loses to Ohio State in a large margin, Alabama, I think, will go to, to Atlanta. And I think they have a viable chance to beat either Georgia or Tennessee there and, 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 and slip into the playoffs. Um, I think a team that everybody loved, Kansas, it's over. The magic is over. We're back to reality. I think Oklahoma State plays them in Lawrence this week, kind of like Oklahoma State in a big bounce back after that miserable <laughs> performance against K-State. So uh, now they play two teams from the Sunflower State, back-to-back Oklahoma State. Uh, that locker room is not happy. Oklahoma State, probably a small chance still to, to get into the Big 12 title game, but you can't get there if you lose to KU. Big bounce back for Oklahoma State. I like the Pokes over KU on the money line. Again, yet yet another money line parlay. Good value. I'm not putting that on Notre Dame, Syracuse. These are games that I love the good spots for teams like the Cowboys, who just have superior talent over KU. And I think the, and I'd love for you to tell me that line. I have no idea what that line is. And I think it's Oklahoma state at KU. Do I have that right?
0: It is Oklahoma state at KU and Oklahoma state. Guess is the line.
1: A- Let me, I want Ooh, me to get, okay. I'd love to guess the line, guess the line, um, is the what? What time is the game too? Because I always feel like that's worth a half a point or a point. What time it is the game? It is uh, three
0: thirty your time, twelve thirty West Coast time.
1: Okay, so it's a Mountain Time start. I would imagine. I don't know if Kansas is Mountain Time or Central. Uh, Kansas matter. is I,
0: Central Time, so it's okay, two thirty Kansas time.
1: All right, so that's sexier than eleven a.m. Um, So a little bit, uh, I'll give a half a point to KU there. I'm going to make this line like just under the double digit mark. I'll put it at nine or eight and a half or nine, eight and a half to nine and a half window, but that's not fair. I'll go nine, nine, even Oklahoma State. How far off am I?
0: Oklahoma State is a three point favorite.
1: Oh my God, I'm way off. So this could be the case of Spencer Sanders, who's been, Really banged up all year for Oklahoma State. Their quarterback who has been there for about 14 years. Is he out? Because if he's out, that changes my perspective. We'll have to figure that one out, Kyle. So I spoke way too soon there on my love for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State could be in trouble without their QB1. Oklahoma State. Let's see
0: what Spencer Sanders is up to this week. I get it from that standpoint. But, like, right now – pretty even money on both sides at the minus three uh kansas is getting 75 percent of the money uh money line at plus 105 right now so a lot of people are betting kansas to win outright um it looks like spencer sanders is uh let's see Probably i just don't see how him. that line. Yeah, i don't
1: that line looks like we me. know exactly
0: who the quarterback. Is.
1: Okay, Spencer Sanders was really banged up in their win against Texas, uh, and then obviously, you know, the game against Kansas State, we saw we saw a deflated team after a huge win in Stillwater against the Longhorns. Sanders is injured. This line is so fishy. So, what I just provided my analysis about two minutes ago is how much I love Oklahoma State. Thought they'd be a nine-point favorite. We're gonna throw that out the window. Something is fishy in Lawrence, Kansas, in this game. Ugh, I don't like what I'm hearing there at minus three. We don't know Sanders' status. I'm out, Kyle. I'm out on the Oklahoma State-Kansas game.
0: Uh, Gundy has given no update about whether uh, Sanders or his son is going to be starting the game on Saturday. Still I'm is, uh, keeping that secret.
1: Okay, Well, I'm out in that market. I would recommend everybody else to be out on that market, and let's see what unfolds on Saturday again. Maybe, maybe go live.
0: Yeah, and Kansas just needs that one win to get bowl-eligible. I kind of knew even when they were 5-0 and that it wasn't real in that respect, but they just need one more win to get to a bowl game where they can play against, uh, I don't know, Texas A&M. <laughs> they can play in a bowl game this year.
1: <laughs> and, well, uh, Kansas, how about, how about having the over two-and-a-half wins for uh, Kansas? Uh, you know, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to be sweating this out on Thanksgiving weekend against Kansas State or whoever they play Nope, you've already cashed that ticket way before Halloween. So good for those people who had the balls and the foresight to take Kansas over two and a half wins. That was probably the easiest wager of the year.
0: And you were talking about Big 12 championship aspirations for some of these teams. Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas are all sitting with two losses. Obviously, TCU is a perfect 5-0. and oh, And then you have K-State sitting at 4-1. and one, But Texas is favored this weekend against K-State, which I think is interesting.
1: Where's that game being played? Uh, It is in Kansas State. All right, so let's guess the line, assuming everybody's healthy. (laughs) Uh, This is a tough one, too. Texas uh, coming off uh, what we saw against Oklahoma State as a, a total disaster. Kansas State absolutely annihilating Oklahoma State. So there's a common opponent there. Kansas State's at home. Texas, vastly more talented. Man, I, I think I'm going to – I got to give Texas the nod here on the road. It's also at, a night at,
0: game. I will add it's a night game on, yeah, <laughs> on
1: Kansas State. Oh, my God. This is so scary, Kyle. I'm, I'm being put on the spot because I was so drastically wrong with my uh, with what I was predicting for uh, Oklahoma State KU. But credit to me, I think Spencer Sanders is is, uh, in, is a doubtful play. All right, Texas, Kansas State. My Before you said night game, I was thinking uh, Texas four. I'll drop it to a field goal. Texas by a field goal at Kansas State. What do we have?
0: Texas two and a half. Okay. Closer. There you go. Okay. I mean, that's as close as you're probably going to get. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just a <the> difference <laughs> of a half point on your guess.
1: It'll <laughs> be some, and I think you'll see some threes emerge, right? I think if, if a book is getting you know crushed with Texas money here between now and Saturday morning, that, that number will probably emerge to three, but yeah, it's a field goal game on the road, neutral site, probably Texas six. And then at Texas, probably eight, eight and a half. Uh, it's a tough game to bet, man. But I'll tell you what, you know, if they stop Deuce Fawn, which is a big if can't promise that they will, Texas should score a ton uh, on Saturday night. This is a good offense uh, that that Texas has. And, a must-win game for the Longhorns here. Must-win game for K-State. Uh, I, I, I'm i going to hate to break it to everybody. I sound like a coward. It's a no-play. Let's dive in live. Let's see. Let's read the room. It's a good time to be on your couch on Saturday night watch all these different games. See, now,
0: comparatively, again, we don't know who the quarterback for K-State is going to be. It looks like they're leaning towards Will Howard over Adrian Martinez for the second week yep. in a row, but I don't think that's much of a difference in quarterback play between the two of them
1: yeah I, I think I think you got to be happy what you're what you're seeing out of Adrian Martinez though early on in the year I mean what a what a change of pace for him than, than being in that cesspool in Lincoln Nebraska. so uh, you're right I think both quarterbacks have uh, overachieved in Manhattan and I don't think it makes a huge difference on the number who plays for K-State. that's a really fun game. that may be the best game uh, of the whole slate that not enough people are talking about because it's being overshadowed. the two sec games honestly i would rather watch k-state texas than lsu alabama
0: interesting interesting you want to get your big 12 fix on the the big 12 has been kind of chaotic this year i was laughing i was talking to someone who's a longhorn fan and they were saying that uh or i was saying if deuce Vaughn goes for 250 yards or if he goes for 30 yards i wouldn't be surprised it's kind of just been that kind of season for the big 12.
1: it's been a great ride i mean tcu is really a, a pleasant surprise under first-year coach Sonny Dykes. Uh, you know, w- when you figure out who's going to win the, the Big 12 back in July or August, you're going to pencil in Oklahoma. Man, not the case. In Oklahoma, I guess, can now just play spoiler at this point. Horrible defense, but can Oklahoma run the table, Kyle, and reach the Big 12 championship game in Jerry's world? Is that even possible? I'm going to say no because they have three conference losses at this point. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to yeah, say probably not. OK, so big uh, Oklahoma could only play spoiler. And if they can run the table because of brand name recognition, Oklahoma can probably find themselves in a decent bowl. You know, one of those post Christmas bowls on December 29th. That's not horrific. Right. So Oklahoma is yeah. still playing for a decent bowl game.
0: They could still go to a nice city. Doesn't necessarily have to be going to like, I don't want to. I don't want to dump on anyone. It doesn't have to be going to the Boca Raton Bowl, but
1: it could be you a know, that's nice my home trip. That's my hometown. That's my hometown, Kyle. <laughs> born and raised in Boca Raton. You can't, you can't this FAU stadium. Uh, but I, I think, I think they could go to a great city like San Diego, the home of your Padres and uh, play. in. you know, I don't even know if the big 12 is still involved with the, with what used to be the holiday bowl. Actually, it's probably not because it was NC state versus UCLA. That was canceled last year due to a COVID outbreak by the Bruins. Uh, The the Wolfpack fly. These are things that happen at NC State. Your team flies out to play UCLA two days before the game, COVID outbreak for the Bruins. It's over. A lot of money wasted, a lot of time wasted. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know where Oklahoma is going to go, but this team can play spoiler. This team can uh, win the game against Oklahoma State and whoever else they have left. They have talent. They just really went on a horrible defensive run.
0: Mm-hmm. and uh, i was actually in san diego for christmas when that was going on and we were going to go to the game at petco and then it got canceled and we were walking across downtown and we just saw people in nc state track suits who, who were on the football team just kind of wandering around san diego so that's all that you can was, do you're uh,
1: not yeah not going to be playing a football game may as well wander around a beautiful downtown right
0: yeah, exactly, and I don't even know what they're doing anymore with that game because it used to be Big Ten and Pac-12, but last year they had an ACC team. But yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, uh, it would be cool for Oklahoma to have a game like that. Maybe they go to like the the Music City Bowl or something like that, and they get to uh, they get to have a little trip out of this season. That you know, I think Venables gets a pass on the first year because most coaches get a pass on their first year in the transfer portal oh, yeah. era. But you know, obviously a disappointment for Oklahoma. Oh no. Doubt. Yeah, that one's a tough situation. Uh, anything on the NFL side? I know your Buffalo Bills are, are the best team in the NFL by by leaps and bounds at this point. We haven't talked since the, the Bills-Chiefs game, and that was kind of yep. interesting to watch it play out. How how you feeling about Buffalo?
1: Well, our conversation said, I like Buffalo against Kansas City because it's the regular season. I always feel good uh, during the Josh Allen era that the Bills will win. These key spot regular season games, you can when when we talk in uh, mid-December, if Buffalo's playing KC, I can't promise you I'll like Buffalo. But that's going to be a different scenario if it's at Orchard Park. Right. Major, major uh, situation brewing there. Buffalo just has to have the one seed. I mean, I just do not trust Buffalo at Arrowhead in December. I trust them in October. Don't necessarily trust them in December. Uh, the Bengals are a fascinating team. Uh, that Monday night football performance was atrocious. Um, you know, they get a chance for a, b- a bounce back game, kind of like them in a money line parlay situation, like Cincinnati there. Uh, New England, Indianapolis is a stinker. Um, you know, just kind of looking at all the survivor plays that are coming up here, a lot of people are probably going to take New England, Cincinnati. Uh, I would be a little more cautious with New England, but man, Indianapolis. Man, they are probably the most—I would say—a top four disappointing team. Rams, Bucks. Uh, gosh, how do you handicap that game right now? Uh, two quarterbacks that are really struggling. Uh, kind of lean on Tampa Bay there to finally What get do you think the game. over/under
0: is for that game? That Rams-Bucks game. What do you think the over/under is?
1: They're interesting situations because these are teams that can't protect the quarterback, so the points are not coming. Right, the Rams are not. Not scoring in bunches. Tampa Bay's not scoring in bunches. Uh, if this was normal circumstances, going back to 2020, 2021, I'd probably make that about 52, 54 and a half. I'll take away about eight or nine points. I'll make that 44, 43 and a half. I, uh, that's can't be higher. It can't be over 45. The way these offenses playing, I'll 43 and a half. 42,
0: 42. Okay. is the yeah. over under for this yeah, game? I mean,
1: over is there, but. It's just not happening, right? I mean, L.A. cannot move the ball. Uh, They have a Mm -hmm. couple good drives here and there, but pedestrian, running game, horrible offensive line. Allen Robinson, alive or dead, I'm not sure. Cooper Cup, a little banged up. I like Tampa here. I mean, this is it for Tampa, right? I mean, you don't win this game. It's curtains, right? I mean, like, you're in trouble now. I mean, right now they're fine because the NFC South is terrible. But this is a get-right game against a team that's really struggling to protect their quarterback, and their number one weapon is hurt, and they don't have really a number two weapon. So I like Tampa in a get-right spot. I, I think I'd play them on the money line. My guess is that money line's got to be got to be under a dollar seventy-five, probably sitting at a dollar sixty-five. So let's take the Buccaneers here in this spot.
0: The thing I will say about saying that this is like curtains for tampa is that it's going to be easier for tampa to find a bs playoff spot than it is for the rams just because of that division like one of those teams is guaranteed to get it for the rams they're fighting for that that seventh wild card spot in the nfc which is just a lot harder to grab than a freebie spot in the in the nfc south because i mean i think the saints are going to turn a corner here but they've got so much of a ground to cover that it might be difficult for them because like even when I say that, it's not like they're a great team. They're just a good team now. But I, I think it'll be easier for Tampa to kind of BS their way into the playoffs than it will be the Rams. So I think on the flip side, the Rams need this one or it might be curtains for their season because Matthew Stafford's broken. Cooper Cup's now going to play through an ankle injury. It's, it's looking pretty rough out here for Los Angeles at this point. And I personally don't think they're going to be able to
1: recover. I agree with you 100%. I do think it's curtains for the Rams. They lose these next two games, and obviously this game is massive. And I do agree with you that Tampa loses this game. They're still somewhat alive, but the Atlanta Falcons, man, I mean, they're – they're an interesting team to watch, but I don't trust them. I kind of, tr- I kind of like what you said there, Kyle. I kind of trust the Saints more if they can get healthy on defense, get back Marcus Lattimore, get back. Even I hate to say it, Jameis Winston back on the field. I mean, Andy Dalton had a decent game against the Raiders, uh, but that that Raiders team is just pathetic on the road. They just quit on. They quit on. They they quit on their coach. They quit on each other after the second quarter. It was an embarrassment. Um, I. I just I – I think Tampa is still the play in the NFC South. But I, I think this is like the like, month from the past, which is the Super Bowl champion. Could boost a lot of confidence there. And get yourself right for the rest of the NFC South slate that's coming up with Atlanta, at Atlanta, uh, home against Carolina, and then, of course, home against New Orleans. They need to win this game.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, too. But, I mean, you mentioned Jameis Winston. I think that's Andy Dalton's job to stay because since Andy Dalton took over, they've had the sixth-ranked scoring offense in the NFL. So I, I think this is Andy Dalton's team for the rest of the season. And it's not necessarily inspiring confidence at this point. But, again, I'm with you. I think Tampa, because Tampa has an elite defense, and this week Tampa's without Obviously, Shaq Barrett's done for the year, but they're without Carlton Davis. They're without Sean Murphy bunting. Uh, They don't have Akeem Hicks, but all those guys are going to come back sometime soon. I still think Tampa's got an elite defense when healthy. It's just a big if because Tampa's got like five starters out this week.
1: It's hard to believe that the Red Rocket has provided that much. Red Rifle, I should say, not the Red Rocket, the Red Rifle of us. Speaking of TCU, Andy Dalton. But you're right. I mean, the team is, seems to be more consistent. I just feel like the team matriculates the ball better with whether it's interceptions with Winston. They're both both not quarterbacks that I want to build a future with. But, yeah, I mean, I trust the Saints more than, more than Atlanta and Carolina. But huge uh, huge game of Monday Night Football. I think the square money line bet will be Baltimore. And I'm not sure if I really – I just don't even trust Lamar Jackson in this offense. This, this team, you know, you look at the first half against Tampa Bay. It, it was – It was atrocious. I mean, the Ravens abandoned the run. Boss, you trust? You know all the other running backs that they're putting in play here. Uh, I think Kenyon Drake's in the mix. like cincinnati kyle they just can't figure it out for three games in a row i feel like it's two games you win let's take a major step back so i'd like to see cincinnati emerge out of the north because i still think they're a fun dangerous team but they're gonna need chase back to make a a wild card berth it looks like the north is it should be wrapped up especially if baltimore goes on a winning streak here they beat new orleans they beat whoever else is in front of them I, i think the ravens win the north but i'd like to see cincinnati make a run
0: That is Razor Rosenthal, everybody. Check him out on Twitter. There's links in the description to this episode, to all of his work. And uh, we appreciate him always stopping in and chatting with us here on the Take It Easy podcast. So Razor, enjoy your football weekend. Enjoy some college football and enjoy watching Big 12 this week. I commend you for your efforts in, in choosing to watch the Big 12 over LSU Alabama.
1: It's going to be a lot of Big 12 action in the Paris Masters 1000 uh, when it comes to men's tennis. So those are the two things that I have a (laughs) a high interest in more than anything. And uh, Kyle, wish you all the best heading to Disney World next week. So look forward to getting back on your podcast before Thanksgiving. Enjoy Disney World. Have a wonderful week. Thanks, Kyle.